Father, we come before your throne of grace. Uh, Lord, what a privilege it is to be able to come before you to confess our sins before a holy, righteous, loving, forgiving, and gracious Father. Lord, I pray that you would be with us tonight. Let us hear your word. Lord, I pray that we would look outside of ourselves and look to you and who you are. For that is our only good. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, last week we began to look at this psalm, Psalm 103, and we talked about one of the things that can often happen is uh, we need to shake off the dust of our dry spiritual life. We can go through a day, we can go through a week, we can go through seasons where we may come to the end of the day and say, I don't even know if I fellowshiped with my Lord today. I don't even know if I thanked him for today. I don't even know if I've spoken with him in days or weeks. And we don't know the situation behind the psalm, as we saw last week. But David, in the midst of whatever he's going through, began to preach to himself. Began to speak to himself. To reawaken and rekindle his love and passion for the Lord. And I think if we're all honest here, we know that we need to do that quite, quite frequently. But first what David did was he told himself to look outside himself. And to look to his God. Yahweh, the Holy One, the Creator, the Sustainer, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Lord of all things. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, David, David told himself to look outside himself to God, but then he began to go through the benefits he's received from the Lord. And we saw last week, he, he, we spent time thinking about forgiveness of sins and how he, David praises God for healing all his diseases. And we saw that sometimes that happens in this life, but we're promised that it will happen when Christ returns completely. He praises God for redeeming him from the pit, the place where his sin leads him to death and the grave. And he praised God for crowning him with his steadfast love and mercy. And for God, he praised God for the good things that he had given him to renew his soul and his spirit like that of an eagle. And now what David is going to do is he's going to remind himself of who God is and the way God has corporately blessed his people in the old covenant, Israel. But what David's going to do is he's going to focus on the character and the nature of who God is. And so we're going to walk through that tonight. But um, let me just say this. And this is one of the things I regularly tell people. Often we can get down and uh, depressed. And again, our, our spiritual life can, can just feel like it's, it's rudderless. But one of the best and greatest things we could ever do when we are in that situation is begin to study the attributes of God. Begin to look outside of ourselves and to look at our great God and be amazed once again at who he is and what he's done, what he's doing, and what he will do. And so what David's going to do is as he continues to look outside of himself and look to the character of God, he's going to look at the way God has blessed Israel and specifically in the Exodus. And so let's begin. 
David goes on in, in verse 6, and he says, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. So David begins to look to God, and he says, This God I serve, this God who is my father, he is just in providing his just laws. And, and again, if we, we got to step back and look in context, David is... Um, the king of Israel, and, he, and he's speaking specifically of the laws God had given to the people of Israel. He had redeemed them from Pharaoh, which we'll see in a moment. But God set up a just and lawful society for the people of Israel. The Lord, David says, works righteousness and justice for all. God established Israel as a nation that was supposed to be an example to the world of who their God is. A just and righteous God who cares about justice for the oppressed. Who cares about the widow and the orphan. We see this in the laws of God. The laws that God gave Israel to govern their land. Exodus 22, 21 to 24 says, You shall not, this is God speaking to Moses to give this law to the people. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him. For you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will burn and I will kill you with the sword and your wife shall become widows and your children fatherless. God cared about the oppressed. He cared about the widow. He cared about the sojourner. He, he, he told the people of Israel, you were slaves at one time. And so when you have a sojourner come into your land, you do not oppress them. Deuteronomy 10, it says, For the Lord your God is, is, a God, is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and he loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. God cares about justice. And I just want to step back and make a little side note here and just remind us that America is not Israel. We can't just take these verses and plop them here and say, well, here's what we got to do with public policy. However, in saying that, we do need to take very seriously what God says here about justice, what he says about sojourners, what he says about the oppressed. And as the church, we need to seek to uh, proclaim God's justice and his love for those who are oppressed and marginalized. And the gospel needs to go forth and we need to have open doors for those who have no homes. And we won't get into all the, the weeds of how we apply some of these in particular situations, but know that these were given particularly to Israel. However, there is abiding principles within them that we as believers need to apply in, in our church, in our homes, and in our government. But God, David says, cares. He is merciful. He's righteous in justice. He cares about the oppressed. This is the God David's crying out to. The God who cares for the downtrodden. For those who have no hope in this world. But then he goes on in verse 7. He said he made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the people of Israel. David begins to praise God because God has revealed himself. 
God has not left them or us in the dark. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the people of Israel. What good news that we have a God who is not silent but has spoken. He has spoken throughout history. He has spoken in the laws he's given his people Israel. He has spoken through the prophets. And he has spoken ultimately in his son Jesus Christ. God is not silent. He has revealed who he is. And what good news that is, because you know as well as I do, our conceptions about who God is when we compare them to the Word, as we spend time in the Word and we have it trim off the fat of some of our thinking, we can say, wow, I totally thought I was thinking wrongly about God here, but, but His Word corrected that. And what good news that God has revealed Himself. And David, as he's talking about this, I think he's looking back at the Exodus when he, when he talks about God revealing his acts to the people of Israel all through Israel's history, but specifically in the Exodus, and, and you'll see why I think that in a minute. Uh, but David is thankful and he praises God for revealing himself, for making himself known. And one of the greatest incidents of God's revelation of himself is after the golden calf. For those of you who were there this morning, a little recap. And I didn't plan this. Clearly the Lord wanted us to hear this twice today, many of us. Um, but David goes on, and, and notice what he says in verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Does that sound familiar? Well, if you were here this morning or at the hall, you'll know David, like Jonah this morning, takes these words directly from Exodus 34 to remind himself about the gracious nature of God. This is why I said this morning this had become somewhat of a confessional statement for the people of Israel. That the Lord is merciful, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. And, and, and for those who were here this morning, just bear with me, you're gonna hear this again tonight. But, but what happened was, Moses, so God had delivered his people. They had been enslaved for 400 some years. They cried out to God. He heard their cry and he came and he delivered them through the plagues, through the judgment against Egypt and Pharaoh. He delivered them. They go out, parts the Red Sea. They're in the desert. They already start complaining, right? They're just like us, aren't they? I said, God, God does something wonderful in their life and 10 seconds later. You know, we read that and we kind of laugh at them and be like, who are these people? But let's be honest, we do it too. Um, and so they, they begin to complain. And, um, but then, then God calls Moses to Mount Sinai and he goes to give him the Ten Commandments. And while he's there, the people, they rebel against God and they build a false idol to worship, a golden calf. And God tells Moses... Get down there to your people because uh, you need to get them straight. They're not acting right. Uh, and, and Moses comes down and sees what's going on, and he gets so angry, he smashes the two tablets, grinds it to dust, makes them drink it, and <laughs> then God is prepared. He tells Moses he's going to judge and destroy this people who have rebelled against him with such a high hand. But Moses, as he intercedes on their behalf, 
just like one day Jesus would intercede on our behalf. And he asked the Lord to show them mercy. God gives them new tablets, new Ten Commandments. And Moses then steps back and he asks God to, to reveal himself. But God is so holy, righteous, just. No human can fully look at him and live. And so God says, I'm going to show you my back parts. And he puts Moses in the cleft of the rock and he reveals just a portion of who he is. And we get to see a, 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 a central piece of the character of God. And here's what happens in Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and children's children to the third and fourth generation. Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. And he said, if I now have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord Go in the midst, for this is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. And so David's praising God. He's looking back in the past because he uses these exact words that the Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. I don't know about you, that's the best news I could ever hear. Because I'm often a stiff-necked person. I'm often stubborn in my own sinfulness and my own pride. But David, David, David looks outside of himself and he looks to who God is and he sees that he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And then what I think David does is he begins to talk about how God's character, his, his nature of who he is because he's loving and he's kind and he's gracious and he's merciful. David is going to give us some examples of God's mercy in action. So look at verse 9. It says, He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. One Old Testament scholar said, These verses illustrate the truth of verse 8. God's compassion is clear in that he does not constantly accuse or antagonize us, even though we constantly sin. He is slow to anger, and he does not maintain his anger continually. His gracious character is obvious in that he does not punish us for our sins immediately or completely as we deserve. He does not pay us back what we deserve either. His loyal love is with those who fear him. It's as limitless as the sky. And here's the good news. David only knew part of the story. We're looking back and we see Jesus Christ on the cross, crucified for our sins, for your sins, for my sins, and three days later, risen from the dead. And if we are in Christ, hear, hear this. God is not angry with you. God's love and his banner of love is over you in Christ. That is the best news ever. God will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And in Christ, his anger is done away with over you. 
he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And he goes on, David goes on and gives us more examples. He says he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. We deserve nothing but the judgment of God. You know, we're, we're born sinners. We love sin. And, and yes, we may do some things outwardly that look really good. But let's all be honest. Often our motives are way over here. Right? How often do we do good deeds to get a pat on the back? Or maybe even worse, to earn favor with God. But hear this, we don't have to earn God's favor because he's given that in Christ and he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. They are gone. This is the glory of the new covenant. That God promised to wipe away our sins for good. And, and, and you know what? God doesn't bring them back up. Right? Do you have those people in your life who remind you? Remember 13 years ago, that conversation we had and you were really kind of a jerk to me. Remember that? Yeah, I remember. Thanks for reminding me. Quarterly, right? I mean, are, are there, don't you have people like that in your life? The good news is that God never does that. It's done. In Christ, your sins are forgiven. They're paid for. And this is because, it, it, go down in verse 13. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. We have a God who is an understanding father. Now, what's interesting is we really, Jesus Christ really expands on this because in, in ancient Israel, this wasn't a concept where they thought of God as father in exactly the same we, the way we do because of what Christ has taught us. But it's still there. It's still there. He's a loving father. And any of you, father or mother, when you have kids, <clears throat> We want to show them compassion. Not in every moment, if we're honest. It's true. But we want to. Sometimes we don't, but we want to. We want our children to do well. And we want to show them and be understanding. I mean, I mean when you have one of your children who's struggling with something, don't you feel for them? And, and you want to help them with whatever it is. That's how God is. He's an understanding, loving father. And again, David, David continues. He's an understanding father, and, and he knows who and what we are. Listen to 14. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. 
As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place is no more. God knows our frame. God knows we are but dust. The scriptures say our life is but a vapor. Our life is but a vapor. And so God stoops down like a loving father does with his child who has skinned his knee or who needs help with something. He stoops down to us. This is our God. And again, David continues. It just keeps getting better. It keeps getting better. God is an understanding, loving father, but he also longs to bless us. And not just us, but our children. Listen to what he says. Our days are like grass. They flourish, flower the field. The wind passes over it and it is gone. This place is no more, but, but, the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So even though our life is but a vapor, our life is but like grass of the flowers of the field, even though we are temporal in this world, the Lord's love is everlasting. When God sets his love upon you, he will never remove it. It's everlasting. Even though this life is but a vapor, we will spend eternity in our Father's house if we have trusted Jesus Christ alone. But the Lord longs to bless us. He longs to bless our children. And David says the Lord's blessing is for those who fear him. And this idea of fear is not a a cowering and and scared to death. It is that before we know Christ, right? If we've never trusted Christ, we should be scared of God Almighty. Because John, or Jesus, tells us in John that we're under his wrath. We should be scared. But once we trust Christ, the fear of the Lord takes a whole different element. and, And it's more of the idea of a loving, fatherly respect. We honor God because he's holy and he's righteous and he's good. But we're not scared of him like he's going to cast us out of his home. And so David says this this steadfast love is for those who fear him and and for those who keep his covenant. And, and, And here's the deal. We keep God's covenant by relying wholly upon his grace. We keep his covenant through faith alone in Christ alone. to those who keep in his covenant and remember to do his commandments. God does care about our obedience. He saves us simply by faith alone. He wants us to walk with him by faith. His love is over us and for us always, just like it is with our children. But we want our children to obey, and God wants his children to obey. And just a sidebar here. He says, to the... Um, That God, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Here's the thing. Sidebar for parents. We are called to raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We don't just throw our hands up and say, I'm forgiven. It's all good. We're just going to kind of do whatever. 
Because you know as well as I, I do, children don't need to be taught to do the wrong thing. Right? They need to be taught to go in the right direction. And, and, and God cares about our children. And he wants us to raise them up in the covenant of the Lord, in a covenant household. And so we can't expect and presume upon God's kindness and not teach our children the ways of the Lord. We can't. And while I'm a pastor, parents out there, I think everyone here knows that's not the church's job. It's parents' job. Sometimes a single parent, sometimes both parents, sometimes one parent's on one page and one's on the other. We do the best we can with what we've got. But we want to raise our children to know the word of the Lord and to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's no guarantees. God's sovereign. He does what he will. Our children are responsible. Sometimes they go their own way in rebellion. But we trust God with our children because they're his. And we see here that he cares about our children. And David, as he's been speaking about how good God is, how great of a father he is, he finishes. He finishes with the reality that God is sovereign over all things, and he is deserving of all praise and worship from everybody, from every tribe, from every tongue, and every nation, and angels. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. Well, let me go back to 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Isn't it great to know your father is not an impotent father? He rules over all things. He's God. He's creator. He's sustainer. This is not a father with his hands tied. This is a father who rules and reigns. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. David steps back and he calls everything and everyone in all of creation to praise God. Because that is the only appropriate response to this God we serve. And so, in light of all we've heard the last two Sundays, in light of all that God has done for you in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we need to see that our lives are to issue in praise, glory, and honor to the King of Kings in everything that we think, do, and say. Let's pray.